Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. My name is Devin, the lead pastor here at Berean. And as always, it's such a joy and honor, a privilege, really, to be here with you, to be able to open God's word. Um, And as was said, if you are new to Berean, maybe this is your first Sunday here, we would love to get connected with you. So please uh, visit the Connect wall and uh, pick up that gift. And we would love just to hear a little bit more about you and answer any questions that you may have. Now, There's no question, regardless of your background, regardless of your affiliation, whether you are a Christian, a Christ follower, or you are incredibly liberal and progressive, there's no question that our world is fractured. That it's crumbling. And as Christians, those of us who do follow Jesus, we look around at our world today and we're puzzled. We see beliefs and practices and behaviors that are absolutely strange to us. And we wonder, how did we get here? I mean, we see abortion on demand, the utter confusion around gender and sexuality, confusion about what it means to be a man and the role of men, what it means to be a woman and the role of women. We see resistance to a free market, this naive embrace of communism. And even recently, we see in the news individuals here on American soil celebrating Hamas. There's no question that our world is fractured. But it kind of makes sense. I mean, we're told one of the dominant narratives in our society is live your truth that you are the one who has responsibility and authority to define reality, to articulate and practice what is right as opposed to what you view as wrong, that it's your your calling to create your meaning and purpose and identity. And all of this simply leads to a crushing weight of responsibility. Living your own truth leads to competing truth claims, which leads to discord and fracturing. I mean, think about it. Your truth may be that strong nations should welcome weaker nations and care for them and and help them in their need. But somebody else's truth may be that strong nations should crush and conquer weaker nations. Maybe your truth is that we ought to be nice to one another. Well, what if my truth is if I think I can take you, I'll punch you in the mouth and take what is yours? Hmm? What if your truth is that you're always going to conduct your business with, up, with utmost integrity and somebody else has a truth that, hey, if they can get away with it, if they can not be caught, I mean, they're going to manipulate you and take you for a run. They're going to take advantage and steal the contract. You see, if you have a truth 
and I'm free to make up my own truth, what are we going to do when these two realities come into friction with one another? I mean, even today, words are consistently being redefined by dictionaries and medical textbooks to, tr- to suit people's perceived idea of their own truth. So let me ask you this then. Who defines truth? Who has the power, the ability, the right? Who has the authority to be the final decider, the arbiter of what is true and what is not true? Who has the authority to do such a thing? Because whether you're a Christian or a committed atheist, whether you love Jesus or you think that religion ought to be banned and made illegal, this is something that you need to wrestle. You're going to build your life upon something. What is it going to be? Well, today, from the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see that there is one who has the authority. That there is one who has the authority to speak truth, to declare truth, to differentiate between right and wrong, to differentiate between what will lead you to destruction and what will lead you to life. There is only one of us who is worthy to carry such a burden And from Mark chapter one, we're going to see that his name is Jesus. So if you're able and you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to read Mark chapter one, verse 21 through 28. This is the word of God. And they, that is Jesus and his disciples, went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority. And not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the authoritative word of God. You can be seated. Now on the front end here, these few, first few verses that we're looking at today, I want to offer you some textual notes. Maybe you're a note taker, maybe you have a journal, maybe you just are a history buff or you like that kind of stuff. But let's talk about a few of these terms because we're told that when they went to Capernaum, it was on the Sabbath. And throughout the rest of Mark, you're going to see that this idea or this specific day was significant in Jesus's ministry. That this scene plays itself out time and time again. That on the Sabbath, Jesus goes to the synagogue, encounters the Pharisees and the scribes, and there's some kind of tension that results. 
So the Sabbath day, originally instituted by God, was a central day in the life of Israel. It was a day of rest and a day of worship. Even today, it continues to be observed throughout the world. It was a day that nothing else was to take place but rest and worship. It was Saturday, held in high esteem. And we're told that on this Sabbath, Jesus goes to the synagogue. Let's talk about that for a moment, because originally, in Israel, worship of God, true worship of God, took place in largely private ceremonies. Think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would gather their family together, and they would make sacrifices, and they would worship kind of out and about on on the ways. Then we see God granting his people the tabernacle, a central place of worship, the house of the Lord. After the tabernacle came the temple, same kind of thing, but in a permanent structure. So all of Israel would gather together on significant days there in Jerusalem to worship in the temple. But in 586, the Babylonian Empire came in, destroyed the temple, and took the people captive back to Babylon. And there, more than likely from what we see in history, this practice of gathering together in groups in the community for worship and prayer and instruction in the word began to be born. So by the time that Jesus comes around, these little synagogues, many churches or many places of worship would be found throughout the region. There were a number in the Galilee region. And archaeologically, we have found the synagogue here in, Galilee, in, in Capernaum. I'm going to put an image up on the screen here. You can see at the top is the white limestone. This is a 5th century or 6th century uh, synagogue. But when archaeologists, archaeologists dug a bit deeper, they hit that black stone, and that is basalt stone. That is a foundational stone. And it's dated to the 1st century. So if these... Stones had ears to hear and a memory to store the event and a mouth to speak. These same stones right here could share this account that we're reading about today in the Gospel of Mark. And why I think this type of thing is important is that oftentimes when people haven't read the Bible for themselves, they imagine it as being presented as a once upon a time type story, in a far off land that you can't really look at, that didn't actually happen possibly and just kind of existed. No, this took place in real history, at a real place in a real time. And archeologically we find evidences that this was a legitimate story or encounter. So there on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, the scribes are mentioned. The people see and hear Jesus teaching and they say, this is amazing. We have never heard teaching like this. He's not at all like the teachers that we know. He's not at all like the scribes because he has authority. You see, the scribes were the, the sanctioned or the approved religious teachers of the day. And what was originally intended for good became corrupted over time. So these people were instructed in the law so that they could interpret the Old Testament for God's people. But over time, the institutional and religious side of things took over. So by the time that we get to Jesus' day and age, the authority in the scribes rested less in their ability to understand Scripture and more in their ability to articulate what past rabbis had already said. 
So by the time we get here, there's these scribes that are teaching are not teaching based on God's word. They're teaching based off of interpretations, based on interpretations of interpretations of God's word. So rather than anchoring themselves fully and completely in the text, it was, well, this infamous rabbi said this and, and so forth. So when they taught the people, they didn't come with their own authority. They were merely regurgitating a whole history of teaching. But Jesus comes and he teaches with authority. And the people recognize this. The lesson that these people learned in Capernaum, what they realized is exactly what our society, what you and I need today. That Jesus has authority. When this is forgotten, what are you left with? If it's not Jesus who has the authority, who does? You? Me? Someone you follow on TikTok? Who? You see, there's two fundamental ways that we can view the world to structure and understand reality. The first is with God as our authority. Now, some of you may bristle as soon as I talk about God being our authority. And you say, I would never submit myself to some God. I would never bow my knee to someone like that. Here's why, because you don't know him yet. You see, if we start off with God as our authority, here's what happens. Our meaning, our purpose, and our identity are not something that we cook up, that we cobble together, that we force, not something that we manufacture, not something that we create, there's something that we receive. So what does that do? That leads to a life of joy and flourishing. Because you are made in the image of God with a purpose. This means that you have value. That people matter. That love matters. That life matters. You receive your identity with God, from God. You're not tasked with manufacturing it. And this means that something higher, greater, more transcendent than you is running things. But there's another way to view reality, one that's all too common in our world today. It's with self as the authority. Therefore, your meaning, your purpose, and your identity, well, it's all up for grabs. This leads to confusion and frustration because let's be honest, you know full well that being your own authority is a really bad idea. I mean, to start with, every psychopath and dictator throughout history started with that general premise. That there is nothing higher than my desires and my will. But it's not just dangerous, it's also crushing. It's also exhausting to have to walk around with the weight of all of this hanging on your shoulders. Because what are the odds 
Let's be honest. What are the odds that you, in this actual particular moment in history, got it all right? Hmm? You and I are products of our environment. You live in a day and age in which you're encouraged to be your own authority, that you're encouraged to find your own truth. So now that you're doing it, what do you think is more likely? That you in all of human history are the one who has the authority? Or that you've simply embraced the dominant lie of our society? Because the authority cannot be the self. Because if you believe that meaning, purpose, and identity, that truth comes from self, what happens when you and I disagree? Hmm? What happens when you fall out of step with what is current in our society? What happens when somebody else that you once used to share kind of a value system with goes a little bit too far for you? Do you see how utterly fragile this is? If every one of us were tasked with creating and discovering our own truth, We'd have as many different perspectives and views as there are people here. Many of our views would conflict. Then what? And we say that truth is subjective? No, we, we know it's not. This is a tragic and exhausting way to live your life. As if all of this responsibility all of this authority rested upon your own shoulders? This is why confusion abounds in our world today. This is why our society is so fragmented and shattered. We have no concept about what is absolute and settled. But unfortunately, this reality doesn't only exist outside the church. It often creeps into the church itself. There are so many so-called pastors who are petrified to preach with any kind of authority. And I've heard so many sermons over the years where someone will take 40 minutes to say nothing at all. You see, Jesus does not need us to be his PR firm. Jesus does not need us to sand off the rough edges of his antiquated, out-of-date views and perspectives. No. We have... We have his word, which is our authority. We have this calling to preach the word that Timothy says, to compromise for the sake of reaching people dishonors God. Here's what I've noticed. And this pattern repeats itself time and time again. And it's not just a current pattern, it's a historical one. And you can even see it in Israel's worship in the Old Testament. Here's what always happens. A pastor or a denomination or a college or a seminary that has historic Christian roots goes on a journey of reflection of contemplation, of study, and of course, prayer about a particular topic. 
Then, after a certain amount of time of reflection, of study, and of prayer, they come to the conclusion that the historic views of Christianity around these particular issues are no longer authoritative. And thus, in light of this new, what they would call spiritual epiphany, they're changing their views. Here's what I find hilarious about that pattern. Hilarious and tragic. Every single time that pastors or churches compromise, guess what? They always compromise on the exact issue that society is pressuring them on. Let's be honest. No denomination, no pastor gets up and says, man, I've been studying and I've been praying. And guess what? As I've studied scripture, now I believe that it's okay for men to beat their wives. Nobody says, hey, I've been studying. I've been praying. And guess what? I now believe that it's okay for people to lie. So we're going to now be a lying, liar-affirming church. Why? Because there's no pressure. Christians, and obviously no pastor is immune, have this battle of insecurity and and cowardice. We want to be liked. I like being liked. It really bothers me when I'm not liked. But I and we do not have the authority to tamper with God's word. Paul said, I believe it was in the letter to the Galatians, if I wanted to please people, I wouldn't be a follower of Christ. Jesus said, listen, they hated me. Of course they're gonna hate you. Now, can Christians do this in a really off-putting way? Yes, absolutely. So I'm not saying you need to crack your fingers (laughs) like you've never heard somebody do that before. (laughs) Oh, sorry, somebody fainted over here. We, We may need some help. Nobody, like if you look at Jesus' own life in ministry, he was hated, he was mocked, he was maligned. We need to stand for what's true and what's right. But I'm not saying here that you crack your knuckles, open up your phone and start battling people on social media. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, first of all, that deep inner conviction and confidence that Jesus Christ has all authority. And I can rest in that. That self is not the authority. That society is not the authority. That Jesus Christ is the one who has all authority. And because Jesus has all authority, and because he has entrusted his apostles in the early church with his authority, he gave them the right to record scripture for us. And all of that writing and recording takes place under the authority of the Holy Spirit. So what we have today is God's word, which is and will continue to be our authority. The authority of the written word comes from the authority of the living word. The people hear this. And they're amazed. They're astonished at his teaching. 
But it's not just the people who recognize his authority. The very forces of darkness tremble at the authority of Christ. Look at what it says here. Verse 22, 23. It says, immediately in the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus has all authority. And because he does, as he begins to preach, this demonic spirit that was indwelling this person cries out, recognizes his authority, and trembles in fear. This is the authority of Christ. That the forces of darkness, these evil, destructive, powerful, hidden, malevolent spirit beings tremble at his voice. They cried out. The word here is to, to shriek or to scream out in agony. Why? Because these fallen angels, these demonic beings, know their end. There is no salvation for fallen angels. Their end is guaranteed in the lake of fire. These demons knew full well the authority of Jesus. And what was their response? Dread, fear, and rage. You don't need to fear demons. You don't need to fear Satan. He is defeated. Now, yes, we resist him. Yes, we stand firm. And yes, we're called to be on guard. But if you belong to Jesus, you do not need to live in fear. He does. In a world of uncertainty, in a world of chaos, in a world where our foundations seem to be crumbling, and shifting in a world of darkness and of evil, what we need is to recognize, rejoice in, revel in the authority of Jesus. Our foundation in our society seems like it's crumbling. And it might be. But there is a rock. In Matthew chapter seven, we read this from Jesus' own mouth. Everyone then, it says, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Here's the truth. You are gonna build your life on something. You are going to entrust your very understanding of reality on something. You are going to understand your existence, your purpose through a particular set of lens. You are going to have one foundation for your life. What's it going to be? Is it going to be something you made up? Something you saw on TikTok? Or is it going to be on the rock that can withstand the storms. Jesus is that rock. There is one who has authority. 
one who can cut through the chaos and bring clarity. And his name is Jesus. But why? Hmm? Why, why does he have authority and why should I trust him? Well, let me give you a few reasons. He has authority, why? Well, Mark 1, 1, the first line of this book of the Bible tells us, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus has authority because he is God's Son. God himself come in the flesh, come to live and dwell among us. Here in verse 24, second reason he has authority. He is the Holy One of God, that even the demons recognize this. The demons who understand reality, human history, theology, far greater than you. They recognize that he has authority. Why? He is the Holy One of God. He is transcendent. He is higher. He is smarter. He is wiser than you. He is smarter than, than I. So he has the authority. Why not trust him? He has authority because he is the Son of God. He has authority because he is the Holy One of God. He has authority because he is the Creator. If you're going to live with a sense of joy, a sense of flourishing, if you're going to understand your purpose in life, your meaning, why are you here? Your identity. Don't you think you should consult the one who made you? The one who formed you and fashioned you with a purpose? You will never know better than the one who made you. He is the son of God. He is the holy one of God. He is the creator and he is your savior. Now this holy one, this son of God, our creator himself entered into human history. And he was arrested, put on trial, and crucified. And there on that cross, he was atoning, forgiving, absorbing the judgment that we deserve because of our sin. So every wicked thing that you have done, every evil thing that I have done, was placed there on Christ. And he took it all. Man, I tell you what, if you're going to trust anyone with that kind of authority, why not trust the one who loved you enough to give his own life to rescue you? And you'll never find anyone worthy of being trusted and followed and having the authority in your life like Jesus. Finally, he is authority because he is the resurrected Lord. He proved that he had authority. He died and he rose again. You can't hold him down. You can't stop him. He has authority over the grave. He has authority over sin. He has authority over death. He has authority over Satan and demons. And he has authority over you. You may be sitting here saying, I don't buy it. 
That's stupid. You're so antiquated. It doesn't matter. He has the authority. And one day, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow and declare and recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has all authority. And one day, you will recognize. One day, you will have to reckon with this. You can recognize it. You can reckon with it here in this life. And pursue and experience that joy and flourishing. Or you can resist and hold out. And at the end of time, when you stand before God, your maker, and you sit under his judgment, you will see what a foolish thing it was to thumb your nose, to resist, to fight against his authority by marshalling your own pathetic attempts to, to rival him. And one day, <clears throat> this king who has all authority is coming back. And at that moment, your truth, your truth won't matter at all. What will matter is the one who said, I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. You see, our world keeps forgetting and even resisting the authority of Jesus. But the same Lord who taught with such authority here in this passage is ruling and reigning even today. He has authority. He has all authority. He has the authority to define your purpose and meaning and identity. He has the authority to speak into your marriage. He has the authority to speak into your sex, your, whole, your sex life. He has the authority to speak into your understanding of yourself, to speak into your finances. He has the authority to speak about your time and how you manage yourself. He has all authority. And you will recognize this one day. So in light of this, what's there for us? What's the response? Well, if you're here and you have never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, if you have never recognized his authority over you, Man, make today the day of your salvation. Because one day, it'll be too late. Your knee will bow. Your tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But it will be too late for your soul. Man, why wouldn't you want to trust him with this? Why are you content with building your life upon such a shifting sand foundation. There is one who has authority and it's clearly not you and it's clearly not me. But maybe you're here and you're a follower of Christ and you're saying, <clears throat> Devin, I, I'm doing the best I can. I recognize his authority. Like, what do I need to do? Well, I think there's a great pattern here in the final verse of our section. Verse 28 says this. The people stand amazed 
And at once it says, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And this is our task, church. To spread his fame. To go out in confidence and conviction and declare that Jesus is Lord. To proclaim the name of the one who has all authority. The one who has the right to judge. The power to do so. Everything is under his control. Everything is under his authority. Go with courage, go with conviction, and spread his fame. He is the one who has all authority. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have authority, that in a world that is oftentimes chaotic and confusing, that there is an anchor for our soul. There is a foundation upon which we can build our life. Jesus, I thank you that not only do you have the power and authority to do so, but that you are gracious and gentle and kind. I thank you that you can be trusted to have authority over our lives because you have displayed your love and your mercy to us there on the cross. Father, for those who are here who have not yet bowed the knee to you, who have not yet recognized the authority of Jesus and repented of their sins and placed their faith in him, may today be the day of their salvation. May they come and speak to one of the prayer partners. May they not rest until they are confident and hopeful of the meaning, the purpose, and the identity that can be found in you. Father, may we go as your people and declare with joy the unrivaled, unchallenged, unparalleled authority of the risen Christ. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our rock. May we spread your fame and declare it as such. For we ask this in your great name. In that name that has the authority. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.